This episode of The Other Kind Radio is dedicated to Scott Rogers. Scott was one of the first individuals I had the honor of working with in this industry so many years ago. He was a mentor, master of his craft, and a really good friend. When diagnosed with cancer, Scott said he would fight it with everything he had. Scott passed this past week, but kept his word. He fought the good fight, and I say to him now, rest easy, good friend. You will be missed. here in Omaha, Nebraska, recorded live. I always have that in my notes, and I never can remember to do it. For the kind listener, there's a couple things that have to happen for that whole little spaceship to take off. (laughs) And every week, I'm so focused on that, um, I always forget to read what I wrote. So let's try that again. Recorded live from the studios in Omaha, Nebraska, welcome to the 38th edition of The Other Kind Radio talk radio my name is jeff i'm one of your hosts todd's will be on shortly he is currently finishing his vocal warming up exercises something i guess he's into now i'm seeing him on the camera and i'm just saying folks those don't look like vocal warm-up exercises so uh well that is inappropriate in most countries anyway um (laughs) for those of you uh just joining us the other kind radio is a weekly Hmm. Not as of recently, but uh, mostly weekly podcast where uh, we take you, the kind listener, and uh, we ping pong around current facets of pop culture. And uh, before we get Todd tuned in, I wanted to send a special shout out uh, to Chef Jeff, one of the uh, guys that we've had on the show. And uh, he has gifted a um, particularly nice um, element to the show. And uh, it's really going to help out the overall production value. And I just wanted to send a shout out, say thank you to him. And uh, Chef Jeff, we, we appreciate your, your time and effort. And for those of you wondering what it is, you'll just have to continue to listen to find out. So, all right. With that being said, let's go ahead and get the real talent on the show here. Hmm, let's see. Since he was entertaining me with those uh, wonderful pantomimes, we'll go ahead and remind him of his most hated film and see if we can ping... Todd, let's see. Those pings are strong today. Oof. Todd, come in. Is that my most hated film or your most hated film? Your most hated film. I guess I'm confused now. So there's nothing like starting off a week with absolute confusion when besides the fact <clears throat> that Jeff is just looking glowing this morning. Like, you know, <laughs> talk about me pantomiming things. He seriously, he is a vision of morning preparedness right now. Kind of across the, the the American plateaus and see you there <laughs> stroking your hair. 
kind listener, kind listener Todd is pointing out the fact that I haven't had a haircut in almost a month, so he's enjoying my Bozo the Clown type hairstyle I'm rocking here at eight o'clock in the morning. You look good. Thank you. You know, I I, I just have to say you look good. Oh well, thank you. So that was a callback to um, your submarine movie that you always love. I, oh, you know what? Because here's what I'm thinking. You hate Das Boot. I yes. love Das Boot. I hate Hunt for Red October, and you love Hunt for Red October. Das Boot is great if you're going to take like a two- or three-hour nap. It works. The timing works out perfectly. Um, but anyway, welcome back. How you doing, Todd? I, I, I'm good, and I brought you around on Citizen Kane. I'll bring you around on Das Boot. So eventually we're doing a Das Boot episode. It sounds good. We'll do it in completely in German. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so obviously we had, uh, just to catch up on current events, um, we had a birthday, we had a sick and then came back from being sick and then I had a birthday, uh, and then we had Snowmageddon hit Omaha and therein lies the rub and the reason why we couldn't get, uh, on the air. We have plans and, uh, new standing operating procedures that we think will help with some of that, but welcome back. Sorry for the delay. Um, Anything big happening with you? Have you got all your shopping done? I have no shopping done. Nice. I finally got the house decorated because it always falls to me to get this place decorated. Wow. Um, I did have my kid turn 16, which, that you know, that's kind of oh. a, a fun, interesting thing, not only from the perspective that you get to experience a sweet 16 for a girl, but damn, that makes you feel old when all of a sudden your child is 16. You look and you're like, holy crap, where did all that time go? But we had a great time, and it was actually the day after your birthday, so I got to wish you happy birthday and then spoil the snot out of her. That's awesome. Sweet 16, right? Now, does Sweet 16... I have two quick questions for you before we get into the show. First one is, does Sweet 16 only apply to um, females? I want to say something witty here, but it's too early. So, yes, it only applies to females. Right. Okay, because I've just heard it referenced the other way around. And I'm like, no, I think Sweet 16 is mainly for women. Um, whereas I was once 16 when I was... No, the different thing. Um, there was no sweet about it. It was get a job, go drive it around, was, don't wreck it the was car. Like at 16. Yeah, right. Your home arms are going crazy. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. <clears throat> um, you know, really, honestly, the the sixteen was no different than any other birthday. We we took her out to eat. We had a little party where she and her friends went roller skating because everything is you know throwback to the eighties now. And they oh, is it? Yeah, eighties are real hot. I gotta get some um, pants back out. Well, you know, she actually owns a pair of mom jeans. Oh, that's no. very hot for the young ladies to wear. I'm like, okay. So in our generation, we hate those, and they're like, oh, they're so cool. And I'm like, great. If you want to look like you got the poofy all over areas then awesome i think that's actually mom gene roughly translated as poofy areas all over <laughs> that's such a descriptor that's good um that's the one thing they grabbed out of the uh out of the 80s was was mom jeans okay all right mom jeans and putting uh lace through the belt loops as a belt you know i I'd, I'd forgotten that one but when she started doing it, i thought oh, i remember that because you know well, i think I that know. was banned in omaha I don't think we can yeah, do that. Really. Yeah, there's no lace. You're talking about a town, and I say this respectfully because I know we have a lot of kind listeners here in Omaha, but we don't, we, we, I think we had a Hooters and then it got, you know, they, they protested and shut down. So 
Wow. Keep out the lace and keep out the hooters, which is fine because we have other fine establishments like Lombardo's where we can go eat. That's where we went to eat for my birthday. It was very good. Thank you, Lombardo's. Um, but they didn't give it to me free. I'm not like using payola or anything here. All right. Now on to my, se- my second question as I dig a hole. Um, have you ever seen the movie Winter's Bone? Yes. Yeah, I have. That's been a while, but that's uh, Jennifer Lawrence. And what was your opinion of Winter's Bone? Loved that movie. Very well made. All right. Winter's Uh-oh. Bone. It was a little it was a little long in the tooth for me. Um but uh I knew you would like it. It actually I, you know, it's worth checking out, I guess. So so for the kind listener that doesn't know, <laughs> when it doesn't have a Michael Bay let's explode everything about every twenty minutes, Jeff gets completely out on it. You gotta have a little bit and this is not that is a film that belongs alongside deliverance where it's very slow and methodical and it's haunting and oh, it's just wonderful Spe- and as soon as we talked about it, i thought jeff's gonna hate this movie speaking of slow and methodical we're gonna cut we're gonna get into that later when we uh head to the center stage because i do have a point for both of those movies that kind of tie in okay. uh, but but um um so uh coming up on today's show we're going to todd's gonna take on the love me when i'm dead the other side of the wind which is a uh, documentary about um yeah. <laughs> Orson Welles' last film. Orson Welles. And uh, I'm going to talk about um, a new show that's on Amazon Prime, Homecoming. And then once we get to center stage, we've got kind of got a, a little sandwich to get through, and we've got a time restraint. So we're going to talk uh, really quickly about Bohemian Rhapsody. We're going to talk about the, just a couple of the remaining films for 2018, and then we're going to dive in a little deeper to the Coen Brothers movie that's on Netflix right now, uh, The Ballad of Buster Scrubs. Scruggs? Scruggs. Scrubs. One of those. Before we do all that, let's pull out the aggressive typewriter. Oh, Just so angry. Okay, all right, okay. Let's get into headlines. Yay. All right. um, Our first headline caught my eye. We've had quite a bit of stuff going on in in, uh, pop culture right now. Um, Some of it to do with the uh, continued fumbles from Bethesda with Fallout 76. But uh, we'll kind of leave that uh, alone for now. But most recently, um, the Avengers first trailer for Avengers Endgame... I think it's the fourth and final Avenger film uh, was released, and it actually set a record. Um, and I don't know, if Todd, if you were aware of this, or, or have you seen that headline, or is this the first time you're seeing it? No, I saw the headline. Yeah, pretty amazing. Uh, this trailer was was uh, released around 5 p.m. Pacific time on Friday, and within the first 24 hours, uh, they had 289 million views of that trailer um the last one to have uh anywhere close was disney's the lion king teaser which racked up 224 uh million uh views 224.6 million views that according to variety um i did watch a trailer i do like it i'm i'm pretty invested in what's going to happen Todd's now not speaking and looking. No, no I actually, I, I thought you were going to throw it to me instead of, I'm just pretty invested in what's going to happen. <laughs> Silence. 
So, you know, Jeff, I'm invested in what's going to happen too, because I will say that the first Avenger, uh, our first, first part of this Avenger saga, I was floored by how well it was put together that they took all these films and found the nuggets to make each character actually resonate. Because when you put this many characters in a film, it's really hard to give a character yeah. a moment that they get to shine. And each one had their two or three minutes here and there where they shone, and it was beautiful. Yeah. I'm very, very dubious about this whole, hey, we had we set the record for the first 24 hours because it constantly, if you watch these, the big films, we were the biggest one because oh. Star Wars was the biggest. This was the biggest. And it's kind of like, oh, my God. Okay, we know this film's going to be big. Why do I care? Why okay. do I care that you set that record? Because the internet every day grows. People's understanding of where I can get it grows. This is already a big film. We know it's going to be huge. I am so tired of the, <laughs> we had the most hits in the, in the internet world or Kim Kardashian's naked butt crashed the internet. You know, I'm tired of that kind of talk. I'm okay. tired of the, the internet is a mass consumption engine and the more it goes along the more saturation you're going to have and the more people are going to latch on to this and the more people are going to do it every time we're going to have it well as usual i'm i'm eight days behind and eight dollars short because this is the first time i've ever <laughs> seen that article kind of thing before you know, i mean i know about you know hits and likes and that kind of thing but i for me in my perspective and i i thank you for saying that i feel a little guilty now but um uh, for me, I just picked it because I was like, wow, that's really cool. But I guess it's been going on for a while. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to take my uh, Stretch Armstrong and uh, put it back in the toy box as I am I'm be <laughs> behind well, the don't, time. Well, don't, don't be defeatist when you're stupid. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Very true. if you really do watch this, I mean, it's constantly we hear things break the Internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Far. And it's just... When I saw that kind of talk, I was like, well, I kind of expected that. It's nah. the massive movie. Of course, it's going to have a huge amount. What Are they going to come out and go, um, hey, we were only the second largest. Right, <laughs> right. It's always going to be what it's first. Yeah. And especially with the way things are run now, uh, you never know where those numbers are coming from. So there's no way to fact check it. Okay. Well, anyway, we're both looking through the movie. A lot of people watch the trailer. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll move on to our second headline, and we'll go through, through these pretty quickly. But uh, recently, there was the 2018 Video Games Award. Uh, this uh, list provided to us from Polygon. Um, I did not watch it. I usually try and, and watch it, but because of the weird position that video game award shows are in right now in the time at which they're released, sometimes they're hard to catch. And then commitment just isn't there to rewatch uh, an award show that basically what they do is um, show trailers, and then when it comes to the actual awarding portion of the show, um, it's people we've never heard of from the gaming uh, companies who have the personality of a Kleenex and it's just not very much fun to, to watch. So we'll spare you that, but, but there were some interesting, um, some interesting winners. And so we'll chug through this pretty quickly, but um, just interested to get uh, some of your feedback, uh, kind listener as well. If you have some thoughts, feel free to email us. But um, so we'll start out with a big one. I kind of like the way the video game uh, awards work they're they're kind of like NASCAR they have their Super Bowl first so game of the year uh, the winner was war of uh, God of War which I believe you you have played no I have not okay. because I don't have a Sony PlayStation so I have played um, 
I, I think Red Dead was a little little late to the to the party, and God of War did a really good job. I do have um, uh, the PlayStation, so I was able to play that. Uh, and I think it was a rightful pick for winner as Assassin's Creed was kind of just a, uh, a replay of their previous uh, installments. So, uh, game of the year, uh, best ongoing game between Destiny 2, Fortnite, No Man's Sky, Overwatch, and Tom Clancy Rainbow Six Siege. Um, Fortnite won. It's a big year for Fortnite. Everybody's got Fortnite fever. I myself have uh, uninstalled it from the Xbox and playing more of the Call of Duty Blackout. But um, uh, they are, that game is, is uh, white hot right now. Uh, you haven't played Fortnite either, right? You, you, you stay away from the... Well, it's not that I stay away. If you'll remember when I was up there with you in Nebraska, <clears throat> I got a little tutorial on oh, how that's to play. Oh, right. that's right. Home. Well-equipped, ready to play, and I still suck. And I said, okay, I can't. <laughs> so it kind of taunts me on my Xbox. It's still yeah. installed. Um, I think I may go delete it now that I've, you know, yeah. my God, Jeff, has told me that I can undelete it, or I can undelete I can delete it. Yeah. And I think I'm going to. It's going to be gone today. It's just crazy now. There's 8 million different types of guns, and building is all kinds of new stuff, and then they just introduced a plane. So it, it it's it's getting out there. Um, so we'll move on to Best Narrative, which went to Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, both Todd and I have spent a little bit of time on Red Dead, and I, I would agree that the, the narrative is, is really good on that. Uh, I'm glad they won. Um, music, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, audio design, Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, which, if I can jump in real quick. Sure. The, the Red Dead Redemption 2 music, I, I really, as I go along, have been floored by how do you write the music to this thing because it... Yeah. It has not just an ambiance to the music that sets a tone, but it, you know it has a little bit of themes that are played on the guitars. And I'm like, but it's never really repeated and repeated and repeated. I just don't know how you write for something that massive. Yeah. Well, and it's not like scoring for a movie where you have the scene so you can right. just back it up and play it and see what works. This is a game whose narrative is driven by the player um in the choices they make so they have to have the programming and ai in there to recognize when to bring up tense music when not to when you're going through i've noticed uh, in some of the um so there's a camera that you can use that's more of a cinematic camera when you're just riding your horse and i've noticed that when you have that camera turn on it's a much broader more um alan uh alangetical what, what is the word how come i can't say that we found big <laughs> and angelical right is that a word sure, sure. okay yes. whatever angelic, i think would get it just fine. sure okay jeff jeff fumbles the verbal football yet again <laughs> um but it, it just grand music that, that that swells and fills the space that you're looking at as you go across i i think what we need to do going forward is when you have a big moment of anything is add the all at the end of it so it's a grandical grandical yeah so if it's angelical then we're going to add those in that right. we'll, we'll reference into you right I like just just like testa hey goodness gracious <laughs> well this is the other kind of radio jeff has been fired for bringing a little bit of a blue element to the show um th this is todd i'll be taking over from here on out you said all you had to do was add a cull <laughs> and i'm five yeah, it doesn't seem like I've, great, I've, I've had a birthday or grown up at all. So, um, best fighting game, Dragon Ball Z. No, no surprise there. 
Um, best family game, Overcooked 2. Have you played Overcooked? No. Uh, someone, a friend of mine from one of the other pod, from the other podcasts I do, asked me to download it, and I did, and I never played it. It's a cooking game. You got to throw the stuff in the thing, and if you leave it there too long, it burns and all that stuff. I've played it. So uh, what you're telling me is I can play a game of what I already do very well in life. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those. Okay, I'm sorry. I want to go be somebody in the old Wild West. I want to do something I can't do. Right. I will just simply go to my kitchen and burn the crap out of everything. It, it's one of those games, too, that the further you get along, the harder it gets. So it's just a giant ball of stress. Wonderful. Uh, yeah, and we don't need that. Uh, best multiplayer game went to Fortnite. No surprise. Um, best student game. That's interesting. Combat 2018. Maybe that's students working on a game. Maybe that's what it is. Um, best esports game between Counter Strike, Dota 2, Fortnite, League of Legends. The winner was Overwatch, which is interesting because I haven't um, seen anybody play Overwatch in a while. Um, last, well, we, I mean, we got to give a tip of the cap. The best esports coach was Bach Reapered Hang. Gu from Cloud Nine, so congratulations to that. Um, and then co content creator of the year out of Dr. Lupo, who's based here in Omaha, Myth Ninja, uh, Pokemane, and Willrex, Willy Rex Ninja One. Ninja's having an incredible year, not only with the huge amount of money that he's making off of Twitch, but he's been on Ellen. He's been flying around and just appearing everywhere. This guy is red hot brand wise. He's got a Galaxy, uh, Samsung Galaxy phone commercial out. Wish continued success. And you know, the good thing about Ninja, whether you love him or don't like him, he does seem to be, his studio just got finished, which is really cool. So for those of you who haven't seen it, go on Twitch and check it out because his studio, this is what you do when you're making half a, uh, 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 yeah, making half a mil a month uh, off of playing video games. His studio is really awesome. But he's married. And he has a very stable mindset. And I will have to say, for these the Twitch viewers that I watch, Shroud, Dr. Disrespect, uh, Lupo, some of these guys that are really making it big, they're being really smart and just tucking that money away. Because, as we all know, especially with a celebrity type of uh, lifestyle on the web, it can go away in an instant. So, so I, I think I've finally understood how you feel when I go off and talk about films that you've never even heard about mm -hmm. because that whole narrative that you just laid out beautifully. Thank you. Meant absolutely nothing to me. <laughs> it hit me like, what? I don't even know any of these people. I, I love games. I don't, it doesn't even hit me to go watch people do this. So, and I know that people get paid for it. I know all this kind of thing. It's just, wow. Uh, to give awards for people like that, I'm just a little floored by that. So, so you're not alone, and you probably with about 99.9% .9 of the of the, the kind listeners listening, were just started to think about like, wow, when is Jeff going to shut up? But I bring it up because it is it is relevant. It's an it's an emerging um, market, and I will say this to you as well. Um, when it when I was first introduced to Twitch, which was years ago. The only reason why I started watching was there was an Aliens game that came out that I didn't know if I wanted to buy. And so I watched somebody play it. And I realized, especially on a story-based game, if you watch them all the way through, then you kind of know the story and there's no need to get it. It does take some time to get used to, but there's a lot of good other content. There's a channel where a woman paints these these body paints and, and makes these really incredible um, 
uh, incredible like uh, works of art. There's another guy who doesn't play video games but spends his show telling people how not to get scammed on the phone from from internet scammers and stuff. So I get it, I get it, and I'm, I'm glad Todd brought it up. I won't spend too much time on it, but um, it's it's I think it's relevant. And um, for those that do kind of tune in and check it out, uh, it does grow on you after a while. I'm going to stop you. We we ping pong through pop culture. We do all the things that you so beautifully explain every week. This is part of it. Just because I am not at the <laughs> forefront of what's going on and understanding it does not mean that we're not going to discuss it. So we're not going to shortchange it because I do oh, believe thanks. that if we're going to touch this, we need to touch on it. And I'm kind of glad that you have that expertise. Much like you enjoyed going through the AFI Top 100, yeah. I enjoy you telling me oh, this because okay, it does at least open my mind to that idea. Oh, good. I just didn't want to bore you out there. And and before I forget, one of the things, <laughs> one of the things that uh, that I've gotten uh, requests from uh, repeatedly from kind listeners is, and I wanted to ask you before I forget. I know the AFI has the or films have the AFI Top 100. Do musicians have something like that? Because people really want us to go through the music. Rolling Stone constantly does these are the best albums. I mean, you, you can find lists like that anywhere. There okay. are a ton of publications that do that. We could we could touch on it. it again, that's all so subjective. It's I know. So silly, but yeah, we could absolutely find that and touch on it. And I'm seriously, this is coming straight from the lips of the kind listener. They're like, hey, okay, we love what you do with the API. You know, we'd like to hear what you guys think of that. So that uh, we did do kind of a production meeting before the show today and we do kind of have the rest of the year laid out so it may be something we hit in January but we will listen to the kind listener and we'll figure out to do something like I'll that. tell you what to the kind listener I'll start looking through and find at least two or three lists that seem like they actually are somewhat intelligent and see which one we want to go with so we'll at least have that kind of queued up and ready to go when we're ready to jump on the ready to go perfect so that ding means I need to reset. You're listening to The Other Kind Radio. My name is Jeff. Todd's joining me from his studio uh, somewhere in the depths of Dallas, Texas. Uh, I do want to remind everybody, we do have email addresses. We'd love to hear it. Been getting some feedback. Uh, if you want to contact just the show, it's info at theotherkindradio.com. If you want to talk to Todd, it's Todd at theotherkindradio.com. And if you want to talk to myself, Jeff, it's Jeff at theotherkindradio.com. We'd love your input, your suggestions, your criticisms. Anything you want to say about the show, uh, take a little time. Uh, if you go to our website, theotherkindradio.com, uh, there's just direct links where you can email us. We'd love to hear from you. All right, let's move along. Let's get the old uh, typewriter out. Uh, no, <laughs> it's not a typewriter. Oh, Lord. It's too much coffee. Let's get the old projector out. Because we all know... Everything is so loud today. Um, that sound means it's time for Todd's take on. Todd, what you taking on this week? So my take on goes back to my love of Orson Welles. They recently released a documentary called Love Me When I'm Dead, and that's on Netflix. This documentary touches on Orson's last unfinished film called the other side of the wind which to film geeks was this sort of holy grail of it's never been finished uh greatness and no one ever thought we'd see it because it really the the film got tied up in the people who invested in it and it's a really weird tale of who invested and where it ended up however orson's great film another great director peter bogdanovich directed this documentary and helped to oversee the finally the finishing of the other side of the wind so they've released these at the same time now i've not watched the other side of the wind yet um 
And, and let me just say this, the film is known to be a little odd. So if you just had to go through both, the other side of the wind is really, it's very artsy. It was Art, uh, Orson's statement kind of on where film was at the time that a lot of the French New Wave and some other people like that had done a lot to take away from true narrative. And he's kind of doing a little bit of a satire on that genre. But they've assembled all this together and this documentary beautifully details what Orson would go through um, to create a film. And, and for those of you that don't know, after Citizen Kane, he really battled for the rest of his life to ever complete anything. Um, in fact, I just bought his second film on a Criterion collection that just came out called The Magnificent Ambersons, where because of the brouhaha over Citizen Kane, he was asked to go d direct another documentary in Rio de Janeiro. And while that happened, the studio decided to step in and have someone else reshoot the end of his film. And not only reshoot it, they destroyed the original negative for the final part of the film so that Orson could never reconstruct it. And that was basically the story of Orson's life going forward. Um, he battled to find money. He would, that's why he ended up doing uh, the wine commercials that so many people famously know him for. And this documentary really touches on it. And it's a beautiful statement about artistic perseverance and Orson, to me, that's one of why he's one of my heroes. He, he was the absolute epitome of that, I'm going to do this no matter what it takes attitude. So it's a great documentary. If you love film, please take the time to sit down and watch this. You will not be disappointed now. And I'll come back later and tell you what I think of the other side of the wind. I just know I need to be in the right state of mind to watch this final statement. I think you, uh, I think you summed that up. I know the audio files out there are, once again, hearing my uh, heating going in the background, but it's like 15 degrees, so I'm trying to stay warm. I know Todd's even in Texas, and he's cold. Um, so I did watch some of this, um, and obviously you have a little more of uh, the schooling and background and everything, but uh, I definitely was able to register the amount of uh stress and pain and frustration this guy was going through the film itself looked like it was just going to be a crazy thing i mean there's a young um oh, what's his face from uh, blue velvet um dennis hopper dennis hopper's in it and there's just some other really wacky stuff and it takes you know the filming itself is it's basically about a is it, it it's about a guy that's shooting a film it's about a director it's kind of like a self-made story where it's a guy the story is about a guy shooting a movie and at the same time it cuts back and forth between the struggle of the director played by the famous director john houston who is one of Orson's yes. best friends. yeah um, it cuts back and forth between that director trying to secure the money much like orson would and the actual film itself yeah so and Bogdanovich is actually in the other side of the wind. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a fascinating two film. I, I don't. I, I'm as I'm stumbling over my words. I'm trying to think if there's ever been two films like this where they almost belong hand in hand. Where you kind of need to know the how and what of yeah. it was created to see the creation itself. It's definitely on the uh, the more advanced realm of, of film watching and interpretation because it's it's an advanced thing I, you know again I, I I think one of the most uh, spot-on things you said is you definitely have to be in the in the frame of mind and especially uh, uh, Michael Bay as I've been accused of being kind of viewer um, 
it, it, I did watch and did view, um, but there were some things that I think I would have probably enjoyed a little bit more if I had watched it and had access to to to, to talk to you and and um, ask some questions from a storyline uh, point of view. But uh, the the shooting and the cinematography, of course, is just gorgeous. I mean, even if you just turn the sound down and just watch some of these shots that he set up, there were some shots that were done with reflection that were fantastic that were really cool um so it's got his his fingerprints all over it you know at some point maybe i ought to i'll do a little research and i'll give the kind listener i'll say here are five films of orson wells you need to watch because there are the man was just a master even when he was getting no money you would still look and just be in awe of it and jeff you're absolutely right the the cinematography his what what is just considered to be his eye yeah how he tells a story is so unique and so influential that the minute you see it, you're just flabbergasted. I remember seeing the trailer for The Other Side of the Wind when they said it's finally coming out, and I was like, I was intimidated because I was like, oh my God, there's so much happening just in a trailer visually. I don't think I can watch this. Right, right. So that's why I've kind of stayed away. I, I need a something to cleanse the world for me and just give my mind to it, and I've not had that moment. Reset the palette. Absolutely. All right, thank you, Todd. We'll go ahead and... Uh... You know what it is. I just realized what it was. I clicked a wrong button earlier this week and had to rebuild our uh, sounder soundboard, and all of the volumes are back to 100. So there you oh go. My God. Let's just start the whole episode over. No. <laughs> mystery, oh, we don't have to? Mystery over. No, we'll be okay. Um, Alexa, open the pod pay. Bod pay. Oh, good Lord. I can't, even, <laughs> I can't even say it. Sorry. I don't know that. Yeah, I know, because I can't talk, Alexa. Give me one more chance here. Alexa, open the pod bay doors. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. I'm not Hal, and we're not in space. Wow. Okay. That's cute. <laughs> Alexa, may the force be with you. She can't hear you. Oh, what? <laughs> she can only hear me. Um, unfortunately, with the uh, Echo... Um, dot it still uses ambient mic so i can't hardware a mic into it not without a soldering iron and that would require the very talented steve who uh is not here right now he's uh, asleep right yeah he's asleep like all good humans should be um so before we get into center stage and, and start running through that todd why don't you educate the kind listener on the different ways that they can listen to our podcast even though they are listening now Okay, so Jeff always does that, but just so you know, in case you stumbled across us on iTunes or you stumbled across us on Spotify, let's say you do have your favorite podcasting service out there. I use uh, Podcaster. There are tons of these things. We are out there on iTunes, Spotify, Podcaster, Stitcher, you name them, we're out there. Here's what I want to say, though. More than just trying to tell you where it is, if there's one that you actually are starting to prefer and we're not there, all you have to do is tweet us. All you have to do is email us and I will make it happen. I will go through the actual elements of putting it out there and, and within about 24 to 48 hours, we'll have it you, where you want us. You can find us. So and, and, and we haven't give out, given out our our tw- Twitter tweet, tweet, does out. So my yours is what, where are you on Twitter? How do people find you on Twitter? I, I'm so confused right now by what you – I don't think that's how you refer to Twitter. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but you can find me at Todd Hartzell, and that is Todd, T-O-D-D, Hartzell, H-A-R-T-S-E-L-L. 
And then I'm at Talk Jeff for Talk Meeting the Other Kind Radio. So T O K Jeff. And then if you just want the regular uh, Twitter feed from the show, I believe it's uh, T O K Radio at T O K Radio on Twitter. Feel free to jump on and, and check us out. We had, uh, I don't know if Todd saw it, but we had a kind listener uh, s- send us a picture of uh, uh, spending some time um, on show site, had some time to kind of relax and brought up the podcast on Spotify and was listening. He was very happy that we were on Spotify. He's a big Spotify listener. So um, we, we welcome and love all of the social media. I'm on Instagram as uh, talk radio host. Um, and feel free to just uh, check us out. Also at this time, before we get to center stage, let's go ahead and make sure we remind everybody of Todd's podcast, uh, Minute of the Apes, which I believe uh, has r- wrapped up the, fir- the second movie, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, and pretty soon here um, going to start having it. What's the name of the third movie? Escape from the Planet of the Apes, and we've recorded two weeks' worth. We're meeting today to record the third. Uh, I'm kind of, you know, we'd originally hoped to have it out right after the conclusion of the other but my stupid shoulder got in the way um oh, yeah. surgery on it and luckily we're moving along so i'm hoping by the start of the year that we will start rolling out episodes and i will tell you where i did not like beneath the planet of the apes i love escape from the planet of the apes it really restores a beautiful narrative to the entire saga it's great it's a lot of fun and we're already even only two uh, weeks into it we're already having a blast doing this movie fantastic it's always uh, better to, to to try and do a movie by minute and one that you really enjoy so check check out minute of the apes as well any of the uh movies by minute there's a ton of them that are out there and uh, a lot of good talent and um interesting stories especially if it's a movie you really like and that's that's why it's so i'm impressed and it's so daring um for you guys to go through all the planet of the apes because obviously they're going to be those that have just seen the recent ones and will be tied to that and then obviously we'll gain some interest and want to listen to maybe the earlier movies based on that so um many of the apes check it out we're on social media we love you and on to center stage where we've got uh, a couple main things we're going to look at I say we start out center stage by going over what we want to kind of cover the fastest, which is um, we're breaking a little bit of a promise to the kind listener. On the last episode, we were going to go through the remaining list of 2018, and then you know snow and and sickness and everything got in the way. So <clears throat> we are going to cover a couple of the biggest movies that are coming out for the remainder of the year. At least we're talking AAA titles that'll be everywhere, and that is Aquaman and Mary Poppins. So. Let's get into some aqua uh, feelings. Uh, obviously, you probably know the actor's name. So, actually, you know what? You're better at it. Give us the tale of the tape for Aquaman. Do you have it pulled up in IMDb? Of course I don't. But, okay. Um, I can tell you that James Wan directed this. The early word already is through the roof, so much so that really? you are getting the fact that the studio wants to greenlight a sequel before this really hits. Now, it's released in Japan already. It's already doing very good there. Um, this star is Jason Momoa, who is, was, I'm sorry. I was just going to say who was in Game of Thrones. Yes. Played Khal Drogo in Game of Thrones. Like he um, was like, he was born for this role because if you're like me, like if, if the superheroes had to pick basketball teams or dodgeball teams, right. Remember like when we were in grade school and they, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, okay, I'll take that. And and I was one of the kids that always taken last, last cause I was such a spaz running around banging my head on stuff. So <laughs> Aquaman would be the one that I was like, oh, yes, we got stuck with Aquaman again, you know? 
He just has never had it. But boy, I tell you, they got the studliest guy to play Aquaman. So, so my wife constantly tells me that she keeps seeing memes everywhere that say, "Yes, every mother in the world is ready to take their children to see Aquaman." <laughs> because I mean, the guy just—he's amazing. But here's the thing: you ever listen to interviews with him? He seems to be a great guy. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, the other day, I don't know if you saw the headline that he said, "No, I really haven't worked out in about a year." And I'm like, "Screw you! <laughs> when you look like that, you work out every day, so bite it." Um, the, the film's testing beautifully. It's going to be a massive hit. James Wan, the director, has already said that what he wanted to do with this, he said that he was of that generation that grew up loving the original Star Wars and the fun adventure atmosphere of it. And he said, that's what I wanted. I wanted to tell a big fable and have a lot of fun with it. So I think it's going to hit and probably just blow people out of the water. And the weird thing is the other film we're going to talk on hits at the exact same time. Mary Poppins returns, which Disney is just about to explode because it, it looks amazing. I mean, how do you take a character like that, that where Julie Andrews is so iconic in that role and you still make it work? Well, the way you do it is you take a, a director like Rob Marshall, who's already won an Academy Award for directing the musical Chicago he did uh, Stephen Sondheim's Into the Woods not too long ago and did a wonderful job with that. Beyond that, you get Emily Blunt to star, and then you get the absolute amazing Lin-Manuel Miranda to be a co-star in it. This thing, just the trailer alone, is so stinking charming. Hollywood may actually explode that weekend when they make all the money they're going to make off these two films. So are you, will you go see Aquaman in the, in the theater? Absolutely. Okay. My interest level there is about running running at a steady sixty five percent. Really, Mary Poppins is running at about thirty five forty percent. Um, I, I, you know, Mary Poppins, I just it just was never never big for me, and I'm and in no way taking away, um, what what those actors and everybody has done. I mean, I'm sure you're right. They're going to make a ton of <clears throat> ton of money on it. Look at me, I'm getting all choked up. Um, but as far as Aquaman, just cause I know we have some big time movie producers that listen to the show. Um, just, just, this is free. This is uh, just some freebie here. Um, uh, for Aquaman two, uh, Aquaman two Waterworld, Um, because you know, that name is synonymous with just great film and lots of money. And then, uh, for the third installation of Aquaman, it's Aquaman 50 shades of aqua. And I think... And- and and for four, it's Aquaman: The Hunt for Red October. <laughs> okay, okay, so kind of listener, this is the grand reduction of Aquaman. Um, uh, we really wanted you to know how derivative all of this is and, right. and how silly it is. I, you know, I I get it why your interest is there, but I will tell you already, my family knows that that weekend is a movie weekend we've already said we have to see both films opening weekend in the theaters and right. we will be there well i'm and, and i hope they both do well because i know hollywood is is kind of hurting right now all right so that does it for your remaining films for 2018 now we're going to quickly run through a film um uh that uh i i i came out kind of feeling neutral about but uh that was bohemian rhapsody uh the freddie mercury story uh you've seen it i've seen it what are your thoughts so I've actually seen it twice. Oh. Um, I saw it by myself because I wanted to see it. Then my daughter wanted to see it. My daughter has now become a Queen fanatic so right. much so that I just bought tickets to take her to see Queen with uh, Adam Lambert singing the leads since Freddie can't exactly be there. Right. Um, I, I'm with you. I 
I realize that the audiences love this film and I think their love is more about their love for the music and for Freddie Mercury. I, I found the film to be so cookie cutter that it wasn't even funny. Um, what I hope for in a biopic like this is a little less, how did they write the song? Why did they write the song? Right. Cause I'll leave that for VH1 behind the music. What I want to see is the character. Right. And while we do get a touch of Freddie's issues with his father, I thought that there should have been even more of that. There should have been, yes. you know, we could have seen him struggle as a child before any of this ever occurred. We could have seen Brian May and, uh, Roger Taylor and and uh, John Deacon, the other members of Queen, struggle with some of their stuff. But those guys really become ancillary to Freddie. This is this is really about Freddie, and it the film suffers for that reason. Is right. it fun? Yes. Is the music you know? Is it going to evoke things that I care about? Yeah. And it the final recreation of Live Aid is impeccable. Yes. But that kind of is a condemnation of a film when you say that the recreation is impeccable because it's it's a pretty audacious thing to say we're going to recreate this entire performance and stay with the performance. Yeah, it just it it just rings hollow to me because I I don't come out of there really feeling like I knew anything more about Freddie Mercury than I probably could by spending fifteen minutes online and reading about him. I, I agree one hundred percent. I the, the one thing that stood out for for, for me uh, while viewing it in the theater was I, I think the sound um, was was masterfully done when they when they when they segue from creating "We Will Rock You" to playing it. Um, they did do some some little tricks uh, in the studio there where you hear the feet stomping. Uh, a lot of the camera s- shots are sweeping, um, and you see everybody's feet in the audience as they're going along with it. So they did boost that a little bit, so you can actually hear the feet uh, coming down as if it were you were right there. I thought some of that stuff was masterfully done. Uh, I agree with you both on the character development and then some of the story. Um, uh, the the scene that comes to mind is uh, when uh, Freddie Mercury is in the in the limo and he fires his manager and it's it's the old rock and roll hey man you know you'd be so much more with Queen you should be by yourself and this up, upsets Freddie Mercury and he fires this guy a scene that I think should have should have taken no more than maybe a minute minute and a half to two minutes stretched into what felt like five or six minutes and anytime. I, I just found myself a lot of times during this film going, okay, we get it. We get it. Okay, just move on. The same thing was the sales pitch for Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes, I understand that the movie was six minutes long and the standard was three minutes. Uh, we understood that the record company was going to push back because they've got to make money. I mean, all of those elements are right there, but there was just some dialogue that I felt that was wasted in some time as an audience member where I wanted to get more back into his story and what he was providing and, and some of the live performances. So... Um, I think I'm right there with you. I think we, like Siskel and Ebert, I think we, we, we both have kind of found the, the common ground on this. And, and you touched on something that it, it was the great, this movie's broken for me moment. And that was putting Mike Myers <laughs> in the role of the record executive who, so for those of you who aren't on board, Mike Myers being famous of Wayne's World, which really helped to give Bohemian Rhapsody its second life. It had mm-hmm. already been a number one song, but they bring it back and very famously in the scene, they're driving around and they're all singing the parts and then they headbang. So now let's fast forward to this movie where we cast Mike Myers as the record executive who is saying this song is six minutes long, blah, 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 blah. But then he says, no kids will ever bang their head to this song. And I, I was like, oh my God, 
are you kidding me? No. That you put that. Why not have him put on a Wayne's World hat and wink at the camera? It it is atrocious. I it, the filmmaker should be slapped. This is that's horrible. You yeah. basically undermined any authenticity of your story by doing that. It, now, could you put Mike Myers in there somewhere? Sure. Yeah, but he doesn't do that. Yeah, it's horrible. He, horrible. He and 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 you bring a good point, and we'll we'll move on to our last point of business here, but. Um, you make such an excellent point with that because one, everybody knows Mike Myers from Yeah, baby. Um, when you put him in a serious role, and I know he was in the Valkyrie, that was he had kind of a serious role there. But when you put him in a role where he's playing a jerk, it not only confused confuses the 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 viewer who is used to seeing him in funny roles, but boy, he does it well. And according to um, some people I've spoken to, Mike Myers is a very difficult person to work with. And they said that it kind of was more of a self role. And then getting back to the to, to your final point, and I didn't even catch that when it came out. So your eye to detail and understanding that is is fantastic because yes, all they had to do was have him lean, have a jacket on, lean back, and put his his hands behind his head, and reveal a Wayne's World T-shirt, and the whole circle would have been complete. Yeah, <laughs> I, there is a there is a masterful way to handle a cameo like that, yeah. and I have I I don't have a problem with Mike Myers being in a serious role. I don't have a problem with him being in this film. Right. It's when you are so referential to things that we know will actually become counter to what the character saying that that can work in a film right but when you put that person in that role horrible decision horrible. Uh, now this fame this film famously uh, had its director brian singer go through a lot of trouble he is notorious for being problematic yeah. um you know one of these days he may be part of the me too movement because he has a lot of bad allegations about what he's done mm. to young men across the years uh -huh. and and then while making this he decided to just up and leave the set no Saying that his parents got sick, he famously uh, got into a scuffle with Rami Malek. Who, let's be fair, Rami Malek yes. as Freddie Mercury is astonishingly good. You cannot take that away from him. That was going to be my my final question for you. Oscar nods, and in what direction do you think he'll get one for for lead actor? Until this film became the behemoth moneymaker it has, I would have said no. Hmm. I would have thought the Academy would look past it, but now I think they're going to have to look and go, gee, that made a lot of money. We really got to pay attention. Right. Rami Malek is an astonishingly good actor. If he you is. go watch what he does in Mr. Robot, yeah. as compared to this, you're going to see somebody that has a wide range. He's very good in this film. I think that uh, I would like to see when it comes to Oscars, if they gave him a little love on uh, the sound editing. I, I agree. See, I could see that. Okay. So Bohemian Rhapsody, I think what, what uh, Todd and I are both saying is go ahead and see it. Go see it in the film or in the in the theater. Uh, go see it for the music. Go see it for the ambiance. But if you're looking for a intriguing storyline, character development, and relationship, uh, it might be, might be missing a few notes on there. So uh, <clears throat> that'll wrap it up for um, Bohemian Rhapsody. And now on to our last point of business. Um, it's available now on Netflix. And I've seen this twice. I've wow. seen this twice because the first time I saw it, I was, I, was, I was ill, so I had some time. But I will say this. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs is going to be another area, another point of contention um, as far as 
are likenesses of movies. And I've been wanting to really discuss this with you. Uh, I figure you can give us the tale of the tape. I don't know if you have it up on IMDb or not. Um, as you're kind of bringing that up, I, I can uh, tell the kind of listener that the uh, Buster, uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, is a Coen Brother movie. And what is the what is the proper terminology for a film that is just a series of short stories? An anthology. Anthology. Okay. So basically, and and really succinctly, IMDb says almost exactly what you says. It's an anthology film comprised of six stories, each dealing with a different aspect of life in the Old West. You're you're not going to get one straight narrative. These narratives in each of these stories don't necessarily interweave to tell you a grand story. Uh, there are themes that I think kind of touch on each other, and they all belong together. But just know this. If you go in, you are not getting the usual, this film begins here, and these characters do this for two hours, and at the end, you learn the story. As Jeff said, it's a series of short films, some longer than others. Um, you know, Jeff proposed to me that he wanted to touch on this, and I told him I had not yet watched it simply because, much like the other side of the wind, I wanted to be in the right frame of mind to watch it. Um, I was a little afraid that I might dislike it. I love the Coen brothers. Even when they do something bad, they're more interesting than the people that usually make bad things and achieve something good, if that's a fair way to say that. Um, I, I want to say that from the get-go, I was charmed by the opening of the film when it becomes The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and we see Tim Blake Nelson, who was in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou with the Coen Brothers. He's done other works with them. He, he shows up as a singing cowboy, and it's a little bit of a funny dark singing cowboy because he's also the sharpshooter and he's just you know and he he comes off as a gee whiz kind of guy and when he kills people he kills them dead i was charmed by that i had so much fun so i think i was enraptured right away with the film are there short stories in it that i liked less than others yeah there were some that was kind of like Neh. but overall i really really loved this film and, and i'll get into the, the one element i loved the most but i want to i want to get your feedback on what you thought, Jeff. Right. So, again, um, I was immediately told by my father that uh, he absolutely loved this movie and, you know, it was, it was one of the best things that he had seen as of recently. <clears throat> so I checked it out. Um, now, you already know my, my feelings on musicals. So the the first portion of it, and, and maybe, and, and, and I'm kind of doing some processing while I'm trying to think here, so I apologize for my, my stutter. Maybe part of my reaction to this film is I am not used to a lot of anthologies. In fact, the only one I can think of would be the one that was, was it Cat's Tale or, or was it, uh, what's the one? Was it, uh, it was also one. What's that? Creep Show was one as well. Creep Show. And then, uh, Cat's Eye was Cat's Eye one. No. Cat's Eye. Okay. Yeah. Cat's Eye. And then, and then there was the, the, the film version of Twilight oh, Zone. Twilight Zone. Okay. Um, so I guess I've seen a few, but it hasn't been a while. Um, so what I decided to do rather than just saying I didn't like it, um, was kind of just, uh, as we go through it, kind of just discuss which ones had an impression because there, there, there are a few of the, uh, anthologies or portions of the anthology that I, that I, that I really got into and really liked. The first one to me was very quick and very kind of, um, in my mind, campy. 
And but I understand there's a lot of history there. There's a lot of history with film with westerns and kind of what happened. My father loves the 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 part where. Uh, Buster Scruggs walks into the bar and and pats himself on the chest and the dust stays the silhouette uh-huh. stays. He loves that. That to me was kind of like a huh, but he really liked it. But he, you know, again, I think it's kind of where you, your taste lies in westerns and and how many you've seen and everything. So I think I think that 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 film is purposely besides being titled The Ballad of Buster Scruggs is purposely put at the start because what it wants to say is we are going to take on both the serious and the manner which he kills people yeah the whimsical in that he'll sing and the folklore and that his dust leaves behind i i think that it yeah. absolutely sets the tone for everything you'll see and without that these become disjointed right and, and i think it has to be there absolutely it, it sets the tone it's it's the palette uh that uh, or it sets the palette for the rest of the 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 film so you have that one that that ends pretty quickly. I mean, it's it's I think it's only like eight minutes into the film. Um, and then the second one is the I think it's um, near all good. Good ones. Is that the second one? Yeah. With James Franco starring as a bank robber. So at this point, because I'm not very schooled on the uh, what do they call it again? Westerns. No, the type of film this is anthology i'm not feel i'm familiar with anthology i'm in a point of just disjointment because i'm trying to join the two stories together now shame on me and as you so candidly put earlier stupid me obviously when they're changing the stories and they turn the pages and everything that's showing that they're they're adding they're starting a new story i'm I'm joking about the stupid thing but that wasn't that i was still kind of like huh so the second time when I went back and watched it, I appreciate a little bit more that they give you a clear indicator of. And in fact, when you when the when the little chapters end, they have a little piece of written text there that you can read that actually sums it up even better. So yeah, I want to I want to be fair that I, I think you really touch on something. You don't have the experience having watched a lot of these type of things. So yeah. I think you're doing a great job by, by <laughs> latching onto it. But I'll also challenge you that I yeah. do think films like Pulp Fiction is a bit of an anthology yes there are many different narratives now they do intertwine they yeah. do have a running throughput but really they could be standalone little short films right if you took them and edited them together so you've seen things like this but i think the more you become acclimated to the more you'll you'll yeah. at least embrace that right right and i'll say um out of all the ones that the little short stories this to me was one of the most complete funny and enjoyable um because it obviously has James Franco. It's got the other cat that's in most of the Coen Brothers movies. I can't remember his name. The older guy, um, who I, and he was all over uh, 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 the brother one um, with George Clooney. I think you're talking about Stephen Root is his name. He, are yeah. you talking about the Teller? Yes. Yeah, Stephen Root. So he does a great job, and and I, I now I'm I'm now I'm able to pull into perspective the bank in the middle of nowhere, with nothing around it, and this is a bank robbery, and the beauty of that, and the funniness of it. Um, I, I did really like that. Anything on on that story that you wanted to touch on? Yeah, I I thought that that was a fun one. I, I much like you, I love the bank being in the middle of nothing. I think what they keep touching on, and what they will touch on in, in many of these, are the 
how the Wild West has a fable aspect to where, yeah. you know, th that the writer would describe a bank set in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> set in the middle of the, the plains rolling bubble. Then they would talk like that. And what are they going to do? They're going to literally translate yeah. that. Yeah. When we read that, we kind of understand that, no, it's not just sitting in the middle of the plains. Right. But they take it to that extent. And, you know, this even has a, a wonderful moment with James Franco atop his horse with a noose around his neck where the horse is trying to eat grass and i i thought that is so Coen brothers to have it to where the horse just keeps going forward to eat the grass and the noose keeps getting tighter i, I just i think moments like that yeah are their their bread and butter and i just i loved it i i yeah. realized that you know, my wife hates the Coen brothers when i told her i was watching oh, this boy. she's like oh god oh god whatever i, I so, did I did, I did like the scene too, where James Franco uh, is once again finds an, uh, a noose around his neck, and this time it's a proper hanging, not with a horse. And it pans the shot pans over, and this this guy who has just lost all composure, and he's crying. And Franco says, first time." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some funny stuff. That's, I, that's good. I, I, again, the Coen brothers just have such a wicked sense of humor. Yeah. It's a lot of fun to be with them in this. All right. So was the one, what was the one that was after that one? Was it, um, was it, it I think it's the girl that got rattled, right? No, the meal ticket oh, that's with right. Liam Neeson's after this. And, and meal ticket's the one that I really was kind of like, meh. Okay. So that's where your father, uh, my father, your father, my father, and you differ and you and I agree because okay. again, for me, it's a lot of setup with a very shocking and, and horrific ending or punchline. Um, my father loves that. He loves the fact. He liked the, the way it was shot and, and the way that you find out what happens. And for those kind of listeners who haven't seen it, we're going to do our best not to ruin it. But that's what I didn't like about it. I thought the, sh the, the, sh the cinematography was wonderful. They set it up, the oratory that the, that, the, that the guy, that the kid keeps giving. But to me, it never really got anywhere. And Liam Neeson, you know, obviously played the part very well. But this one would be probably, Meal Ticket would have to be pretty much on the bottom uh, of, of the list as far as the stories in here. For one, most of these, all of these little stories have some of the best um, script writing that that uh, that I've heard in quite a while. Unfortunately, Mill Ticket for me fell short. Yeah, Mill Ticket just, while I, I totally agree with you, this, well, the entire film is shot gorgeously. And of course I'm trying to, you know, IMDB is failing me because I know who shot this and I can't remember his name. Oh, Bruno De Bonnell. And he has shot quite a few of their films here of late. Yeah. Um, it, it, this this may be some of the most beautiful cinematography in the entire project and i appreciate that i appreciate the performances it just i i kind of saw all along i and i'm not trying to say that i'm somehow smart but i i kind of thought i know where this is going uh, i know something like that's going to happen and it was just it was it didn't work for me yeah. and i think that when you watch an anthology like this we're all going to have one or two that we go me yeah and that one was my me all right but that leads into the one one yes. of the one of the two that I absolutely adore, and that next would be All Gold Canyon, starring Tom Waits. Was All Gold before Gal that got rattled? According to IMDb, good. it is. Okay, good. And let me get back up there because we'll get into it in just a second. I'm sorry, I'm kind of jumping in front of the line here, but this was my favorite. I loved this one. Mm -hmm. 
So it tells the story of a prospector who goes off uh, into the the really in a valley in the midst of a yeah. mountain. It literally, if there's one that looks truly like a fable, yeah, it's this because it begins with the animals around mm-hmm. being startled by the sound of an approaching person. There's nobody around, and it's him. Is he singing or whistling? I can't he's, remember what he's doing. He was kind of whistling, singing. And so he comes out and he's looking for gold, and it's really him just looking for gold. And the story that comes along with it, I, I took this in because I thought I've read this story. I've and they, what's amazing? I don't know if you caught this, but even the first words of of print in the book and the last words of print almost literally describe the opening and closing images you'll see as well. Oh, okay. They are so beautifully tied together. So when you see it, it's like, you know animals stirred as this you know and they they really nail it tom waits oh my god <laughs> i, I want to you know this is already a man that has so much talent as a singer songwriter and to come along and give that beautiful performance oh, yeah. that you just believe him i it, astonishingly good every motion that he made was so well done to convey age peace and just doing his bit and what he does as a as a gold prospector and you know what i'm interested to i would be interested to know if that is actually how they would try and find gold by digging in different spots and panning and everything like that i do want to apologize to the kind listener real quick we realized in the first couple stories that we really didn't go into what they were about (laughs) so feel free to do a search we'll going forward for the rest of the stories which just a couple left we'll make sure we'll give a little uh a little uh story update or at least give you an outline of it but yes this was a favorite i thought it was shot fantastically and from this to me was the most completely complete story Uh, there was a definite beginning middle and end for it and i think that's why i liked it because it summed up there wasn't any weird shot or just kind of left some ambiguity um but i loved it and tom waits was amazing I completely agree. And of course, this then leads into my other second favorite, and it's yes. a very close, is The Girl Who Got Rattled. This stars Zoe Kazam, which I had a little moment of an epiphany. Not only was she in The Big Sick recently, which if you haven't seen that little indie film that was great. Yes. Um, she is the granddaughter of Elia Kazan, who is a famous film director. And when I, uh, you know, I kept seeing Kazan, I was like, oh, that's not a usual name. Holy crap, she's his granddaughter. So this this woman's got some blood running through her no wonder she's in this business she plays a young woman who basically gets into a situation where she has to be on a wagon train going across the west i'll just leave it at that the, you are i hear lip smacking so did you want to interject something no right i just was i was there to pause i just wanted to say that 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 out of the the script writing and conversation this to me was is just a well-oiled machine agreed um, just with all the characters and everything that are involved, the, the the story opens with a scene around a dinner table, and it's it's fast, it's engaging, and uh, very complete. I just I just immediately I was in rhythm with with you know what was going on. It was great. And what the Coen Brothers do so well is that kind of a reverent sense of humor that that we see at the beginning of this around that that table hits you. Is a bit absurd, but at the same time, so real because we've been involved in situations like that where somebody sardonically says something and you're like, what? what? Yeah. But it is so funny, so true, but it helps to point out the sweetness and frailty of this character. And then what we see her go through as she meets other people on this wagon train, 
I will say this is the one that actually surprised me the most mm-hmm. as I watched him and what the end of the story is and it you know it resonated and it's the one that even though I loved Tom Waits and I loved what he did um, in All Gold Canyon the girl who got rattled was the one that when it was over I was like in fact the the, the last story suffers to me because mm-hmm. I couldn't get my mind to quit paying attention to the girl who got rattled and I, mm-hmm. I actually had to go rewind it to rewatch the opening of the next one yeah I agree with you 100% um, and it's interesting because I'm looking at a review in the last story which is called Mortal Remains um, I had to restart three or four times it's very heavy on the dialogue and you have to watch it like a hawk and, mm-hmm. you know, I need to go back. I think I was doing some other stuff or maybe had it on and, and, you know, was trying to do some multitask. And but the thing is, there was never a moment in this story which uh, uh, features a, a couple people in a stagecoach uh, stagecoach going somewhere. And, of course, you've got a lot of time to talk. So there's a lot of different personalities and um, uh, conversation that goes on. But what I wanted to to add there was there was never a moment or anything that I heard that drew me in until the very end, which I guess was the reveal. But I didn't know what they were talking about. Yeah, it's it's one of those moments that you can get so heady with what you're doing that sometimes to me, I don't want to say you talk above your audience, but you you can lose your audience. And I. I, I'm sure that they they obviously the Coen brothers understand infinitely more about creating a, a, a narrative than I ever could. Right. But I felt that again, the girl who got rattled was so strong and so you know it touches you quite a bit that to move on beyond that, you need something to at least clear your mind. Yeah. Um, and but then again, I think of how that what that story says and how this neck what this next one says, and I see the correlation between the two. I'm I'm probably going to have to go back and watch the Mortal Remains again. So to be fair, that has Tyne Daly, um, who is a magnificent actress, uh, Brendan Gleeson, and a, and a few others in in that stagecoach. They're all great actors. What they're saying is well written. It's just hard for me to latch onto. Right. And, and one thing I wanted to touch on again, too, that you said so well was um, th- I think they really did misplace uh, the girl who got rattled with this. I think this could have fit maybe in the middle a little bit more and may have captured a little more attention. But the girl that got rattled, just the end shot cinematography wise with the sunset oh, yeah. and everything. I mean, it just it just it's a great way to kind of say and scene and, and, and goodbye. Um, so I, I agree with you there. So, I mean, overall, and I don't want to shortchange The Mortal Remains, but right. it, it really is the bookend to it. It really does. And it does close it. And I, again, I understand thematically why they put it where they did. Mm-hmm. Um, it, regardless, you know, to me, this is nitpicking and saying I don't like something. You can still see how well it's done, um, just not emotionally connected to it. Overall, this is a great experience. If you love the Coen Brothers, watch it by all means especially it's on netflix you know netflix is actually doing some pretty daring stuff by getting filmmakers like the coen brothers and letting them do anthologies and anthology in the theaters would crash and burn like this people it people would see it but it would not have that resonance that oh brother where art that went on to explode and make all that money you're not going to do it but netflix is brave enough to say yeah we want it yeah and this is really really exciting to me that they're allowing 
filmmakers like the Coen brothers to do things like this. Yeah. Well said. All right. Let's go ahead and uh, start uh, shutting things down here. We want to thank the kind listener, new and repeat listener, for joining us this week for uh, this episode of The Other Kind Radio. Uh, Todd and I are happy to do this and enjoy all of the love that we get. Um, We're going to do... Uh, kind of an end of year episode coming up we're going to kind of do one around the holidays uh, as well and uh, our plan is to broadcast every remaining week of December and come back to you. Todd any final thoughts as I see you trying to warm your hands up there are you just dying? I'm telling you why the heater doesn't work in this room if somebody can actually come to my house and figure that out I love you forever but other than that Jeff I love talking to you every week and love talking to you too and it's it was actually me last time I was at your house I put a pillow in the vent and that's why it's cold up there damn it (laughs) all right folks uh thanks again for your time have a great week we are the other kind radio the other kind